0: Three, two, one, go! Got him. <laughs> do you know how they do it in in film? Is they clap at the same time? Oh, really? Yeah, that seems helpful. Well, then you can line the sound waves up.
1: Yeah, but that's because in film you're trying to sync sound and visual. It's because it's really easy to sync up with the like moment that your hands meet. Look, Ian,
0: I won't stand here and tolerate your, you know, badgering of the clapping.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, if you clapped, that wouldn't really help me, to be honest. Yeah, but
0: if we if we all go three, two, one, go, then and we all do it at the same time, then you're in sync when when everybody says go, right?
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I guess so long as you count at the same time as me, I, I feel like this is just <laughs> more complicated than shut up, Leonard. <laughs> yeah, all right. Than me counting, but you know, uh. <laughs> Yeah, what well, what would I know about
0: this? You're right. Here. Let's go with let's go with your way.
1: I mean, I suppose you would know more about this than me. Yeah, probably, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, we can we can count down together if you
0: want. No, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to do one, two, three, go anymore. <laughs> nah, let's just let's just let's just talk about magic. This is all
1: staying in. I hope you know. <clears> Hundred percent. <throat> yeah, it's yeah. My favorite part about the new intro that you've done, <laughs> Nath, is that it's even better when you're on because it it doesn't immediately click that it's not just you doing it live. I might do it live, but that's fine. <laughs> not against it. It's slightly different. I listened to a podcast. I listened to a magic podcast this week, and they're cold open they're, which is like you know the bit before the um the like song ended up being like twenty five minutes because they just started ranting about something to do with organized play. I don't remember what. But in the end, they were just like, we're just going to leave this whole thing <laughs> in. And then I'd forgotten that we'd, they hadn't done the intro song yet. And 25 minutes in, their intro music started. And I was like, wait, what? Surprise. They've clearly listened to our podcast before.
0: The advantage Nathan has is that he can, um, if, he's, if he's hating what's happening in the conversation, he can just <laughs> just start singing the outro music. And,
1: uh, <laughs> wrap it up, yeah. boys. Yeah. Love that. I don't think we have one of you doing the outro uh, so. Well, something for next week then. Maybe <laughs> next week we'll... I don't... I don't know if the outro music is good to sing as the uh, intro. But, you know, let's take it. <laughs> Welcome to the Faction Podcast. This week... Nath is back, he's become a regular co-host now, and Leo's also here this week. Hi everyone. Hi Dr. Nick. (laughs) I'm glad you picked on the, I was like not sure, I was like, was that, or, (laughs) wait. Uh, Yeah, so the three of us all played an RCQ over the weekend at Good Games Greensboro, so we're going to have a chat about that. We also all forgot to sign up for the one at uh, Temple Arden the next day and it capped and so none of us played that mm. one but uh... yeah that was pretty good yeah that was great Trent sent us a message on Thursday night being like by the way that thing's capped and we were all like oh whoops
0: I um, I bought tickets to next like the next one at Maze thinking that it was for Temple Arden and I was like genuinely c- confused when you were telling me that there were, there were no tickets available I was like I literally bought one in the car <laughs> on the way here then I realized it was for the next week. Almost. So I guess, I guess I'm guess i playing that one. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I'm going to play that one too. So that'll be good. Uh, I have already, I, like, I went home Saturday night and bought a ticket for that. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting caught out again. Yeah. Good call. I thought so. I thought that was smart. On the weekend, all three of us played at Greensboro, though. Um, Leo and I both made the top eight. Nate didn't do quite as well. Can't top eight every week yeah no i mean you're one of two now so yeah. you know good good strike rate still went up with 33 players at greensboro so just got to six rounds and
0: someone dropped off round two of so i was like come on man
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean that's pretty normal right you got O two 2 drop like yeah, but it is funny it's like yeah. that person was not prepared to play a long day of magic for nothing no they were like cool I came, I tried, I'm out now. (laughs) To
0: be be honest, like, after receiving four packs for coming in between fifth and eighth, I'm not sure I'm prepared to stick around for a full day of magic to come in the top eight at
1: all. (laughs) Whoa, 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 Leo, it was six packs, and then you chose to take them as set boosters.
0: I did did choose that, but still, my point stands.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great, especially, like... It's interesting. Box Hill was significantly higher than that, but also Box Hill didn't have a judge, so...
0: yeah, We only had a judge at top eight in this one, right? At least I took deck lists
1: this time. There was a judge. There was a judge. I think he was actually a judge. He was also working in the store. But... Oh, he was a judge? I think he was actually a judge. That was my understanding. Yep. Ah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then, we yes, we ended up with uh Tim Hughes judging, thankfully, in the top eight. Because for whatever reason, so the judge they had who actually maybe, I think he was like a store em, employee who also happened to be a judge, but he was there to work yeah. in the store, not as a judge, because he left at 5 o'clock. And he was always going to leave at 5 o'clock, which is why Tim hung around and was like, I will judge the top eight.
0: Yeah, we're lucky that <laughs> we're lucky that Tim was around. I mean, I don't, he was saying he's not even a judge right now.
1: No, he's not anymore. It's He said it's lapsed. But at least he
0: he knows the rules pretty well. Yeah. He was a judge before the new program came in.
1: I think Nathan Bassa was there as well and he was also saying he could potentially judge, but I'm I'm not gonna lie, I took a couple judge calls. Oh yeah?
0: Yeah, I did. (laughs) I I I helped out, I gave some good advice, I educated the players. Hell yeah.
1: (laughs) I enjoyed at one point Jeff got asked a judge question in the middle of his match and he was like, I cannot answer that in the middle of my match. (laughs) I am a player at the moment.
0: (laughs) So I guess my question is like broadly, like wizards sorted out question mark
1: yeah i i feel like they will get overwhelming like uh feedback that you need to mandate judges like you we can't do this uh because honestly
0: like there's a supply demand like there's a supply problem again once again 2022 we're all learning about supply chain problems we have a judge supply chain problem and uh they need to my understanding from what tim was saying to me is they need to like change that stupid rule where like they lapsed, them being judges. Like they, their, their, their judgedom expires after two years or something, of not, of not judging a big event. And during COVID, they should be an exception. They should just like renew everyone, so we can actually have judges.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I like that it lapses after two years unless you do a thing. But the problem was, yeah, there were no comp events for two years, so everyone lapsed. Like, mm. hmm, strange. Um,
0: yeah, and I, I feel like it's like it's something that they could just fix. Quickly and and yes. and and, ha- and give people like a six month grace period where they can, you know, you get six months as of six months now of being a judge and you can try and co- uh, judge a comp relevant in that time. Yeah, especially with all the RCQs at the moment.
1: The other problem is just making it distractive to actually be a judge because I think I don't remember who it was that made a really good point on the weekend that most judges weren't comp players; they were commander players. Because if you're a comp player, you're more likely to want to play. Like I know Tim said he didn't. Even before COVID, he didn't judge, like, for ages because it was like, well, I'm only going to judge if there's a PPTQ and I've already won one in that season. Yeah. And, like, or it's, like, a GP and I don't want to play in the GP for some reason, which, you know, he's going to want to. And you think they'd already have all the judges sorted for those kind of events, too? Yeah, that's the other thing he said, like, with the PPTQ thing, he's like, well, if I win an event and then I can judge for the rest of the season, but by then all of the judges have been organized. So. Yeah, definitely, I think, I mean, we, we, we're lucky we haven't had any, like, really bad incidents that I've heard of, but I know there have already been horror stories from the rest of the world Yeah, to the point where I imagine there will be strong feedback to Wizards to, like, if you want a competitive circuit, you need, like, you have to have a judge. And, and you need to, like, mandate that and have it as a requirement, because otherwise a lot of the stores won't do it, and especially a lot of the stores that don't run events or haven't run events before like i have to say greensboro actually had organized a judge they said and they had to pull out at the last mm. minute like the day before which it sounds to me like COVID, to be honest so like they did actually do the right thing and try and organize a judge and then scrambled to try and organize one you know 24 hours beforehand but low so stores will look at and go like why will why should i pay a judge if they haven't really run comp events for a while or, or ever in some cases they just won't see the value in it i guess but especially for an event where like the stores are already paying to get their like promo pack or whatever so like you know having to then pay a judge on top of that is kind of unappealing
0: yeah i don't know it just seems like a solvable problem and and um it seems like a a problem that could have a sort of temporary blanket solution that is bad in the same amount that it's bad right now but in the
1: other direction yes i agree you know what i mean I agree, it is solvable, and hopefully Whatsy does solve it. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, though.
0: It was good to play some 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 comp role the last couple of weeks, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely, it has been good, and getting back into um, the swing of that. The other thing that was really good was uh, breakfast beforehand. Yeah, that was clutch. Yeah, we had five of us at Greensboro, and we all caught up and had breakfast beforehand, which was fantastic.
0: Yeah, and and it was sort of like, it made the 20-minute lunch break in the middle of the day kind of awkward, given the amount of food <laughs> we had at like an hour and a half earlier, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't love lunch breaks and events that start at midday. Like, Yeah, I think it's it bad was- luck. Have lunch before you get there, mate. <laughs> well, also just like, if you're already going to start late, I feel like a lot of people will do what we didn't eat at 10 or 11. So then like, even after round three, it's like, they may be hungry, but also <laughs> like, just adding an extra twenty minutes, half an hour onto your event that's already not going to finish till nine o'clock is kind of rough.
0: I I'm not going to lie, I I don't mind these later starts. Um, I I do have a distinct memory of getting to like events at maybe eight thirty, nine in the morning, which is just kind of rough if like your only sleep in day is a Saturday. You know what I mean? I guess so. Whereas if you can if you can leave at like 10, get there for 11, for a 12 start, that's pretty good, you know?
1: I'm a big fan of 10, 10 a.m. starts or at the minimum 11, to be honest. I just, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, you have to get up early and it's, the exception is, like, the non-Melbourne ones. Like, I'm not getting to Ballarat by 10 a.m. or 11 a.m., but, you know, you know what I mean? I just, I know, I just hate that, like, if I'm playing a midday tournament, I can't have plans for the evening.
0: Yeah, it is a bit awkward, or if you do have plans... um, they get blown out by making top eight, exactly.
1: Yeah, or they have to be plans that are cancelable, which is like, so you kind of can't plan anything that involves other people because you're hoping to have to bail on them. Like, and, and the thing is, like, if you start at 10 or 11, you might miss, like, this. it might not finish till seven if you actually, like, are in the finals. But that's kind of a trade-off I'm willing to make. But, like, I lost in the semis this week and I still didn't leave till after, I didn't finish till after eight. And I didn't even make the finals, and it was like, yeah, <laughs>
0: it's too late. Do you reckon they'd have a decent turnout if events started at four, and or or like maybe what about like evening ones if they were like six pm on a Saturday, something like that?
1: No, I think that's a terrible idea.
0: Okay, well, I'm glad we explored this topic.
1: Well, okay, so so <laughs> because, so this came up because Greensboro were originally going to run this as an afternoon, and we like we messes them and we're like, so this won't finish till four am. Because it starts at seven, is that actually what you want? Like,
0: maybe it's just a big racket to sell the remaining cans of V that they have in the fridge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is also just rough for the store, like because their employees won't want to stay till <laughs> till four AM. You know, like
0: yeah, I don't know how many judges would be
1: up at that time either. Yeah, bad enough to stay till four AM because I'm playing in the finals. Can you imagine staying to like work your like probably not super high wage retail job at a gaming store? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make much sense. You know, I doubt I get overtime. There are there are enough degenerate magic players that like we would do it because I would probably do it, but for the judges and like the story employees, terrible. It'd be rough.
0: So I want to I want to discuss the elephant in the room quickly, which is how sick the card discontinuity is. <laughs> <laughs> um yes. Yes. And 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 the both just like the actual effectiveness of the card is way better than I thought it would be and it's just great to watch like very good magic players pick up a 6 mana blue spell and like squint reading quite a lot of text and then misunderstand how much mana you paid for it and then they don't get to have their turn this is just something so good about it
1: as my favorite part of the tournament was when i was sitting next to you and you tried to discontinuity and like so, Discontinuity is a 7-mana instant. 6-6-mana. Six, six, six oh, six, sorry. 6-mana six instant that says end the turn, um, which is obviously really... And it costs 2 on your turn, right? But yeah. 6 on your opponent's turn. Obviously, it's just, like, pretty busted to just end your opponent's turn in their upkeep. They don't get to draw. They don't get to, like, cast spells. And I, I just remember you... I was sitting next to you, and I just... I heard you cast it, and your opponent goes, "What is this?" And then you realize you don't have enough mind to cast, it and be like, "Yeah, oh well, I'll just do it next turn." Just because of failure, but yeah, yep. <laughs> he just—he wasn't it's, happy it. about that. You said it's still going to be good next turn. Laughed and then put it back in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> it <sighs> was so good oh. next turn. <laughs> what the hell is this? Yeah, not good for you.
0: Yeah. So I I I, I thought that that um. I had a great time playing on the weekend because at breakfast, I I, I got some counselling from Ian to just put the good cards in my deck that I wanted to play, meaning play Lotus Field and Strict Proctor and things that cost six, and I did, and I had a great time, and I did. I made top eight as well. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this earlier, like over breakfast, as you say, and you were tossing up a whether to play the Lotus or Neody package or not, and I, remember, I basically said to you, I was like, well, you seem like you want to play it, and it'll be a lot more fun. It's not clearly less powerful, but also, you can't go to the, like, the regional championship in November anyway, so even if you win, the invite doesn't matter to you, so you might as well play the fun deck.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm so glad I did, because um, yeah, it just, like, that Strict Proctor card, from like, an, like, talking about it actually being a good card, it posed spirits and I played against Spirits, that was, like, mm-hmm. fantastic. Like, almost every card in their deck did nothing. Um, and then it also just is incidentally good against most of the creatures in the format. <laughs> yep. You know, it's kind of, it, it has a weird interaction with Croxa, where, like, they get to keep their Croxa for two mana, but you also don't discard a card. So I'm not quite sure how to feel about that. That's, like, the only weird one I can think of. <laughs> but, like, you know, um, the rest of the format, like, anything with a- ETB e- just makes it weird. Lotus Cobra, all that sort of stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's awesome that you played that version and also Strict Proctor comes up and the other thing is it's the only creature in your deck. I think you had a Dream Troller maybe, but basically like your blue-white control, so it's not like everyone's leaving in their removal against you even if they see Strict Proctor in game one.
0: Yeah, I think it put the Bamp Spirits player in a weird spot because he kind of had to bring in Skyclave Apparition, which is also affected by Strict Proctor and it's the only removal spell he had. So uh, definitely made for some good magic. The other, the other sick interaction I had was playing the mirror against Jeff in the top eight oh. where he had a Hullbreaker Horror in play and he had two mana open. And I, I saw that as my only – and he'd previously censored the, the previous turn. And so I saw that as my only opportunity to like maybe get rid of his Hullbreaker Horror. So I threw – I had three white cards plus March of the Otherworldly Light and in my turn, I, play, I did that and I just threw, basically, my, like I literally threw my hand at his <laughs> back horror and I looked over and Tim Hughes is just like shaking his head <laughs> being like, I don't know if this unsportsmanlike conduct. And then Jeff just senses it. And just re- <laughs> like, oh,
1: and I, I lost the game, but it was still fun. I'm so glad I got context for that because I was, I think, just so I was like sideboarding in my yeah. quarters match and looked over and like happened to see you throw four cards basically at Jeff and was like, "What is going on in that match?" <laughs> I was like too busy sideboarding for my match to ask for context and was just like, "I don't know what is going on there."
0: Like- yeah, I just love that like I <laughs> I four for one myself on like and the thing that stopped it was a sensor and he didn't even counter the spell like he just returned his thing to his hand. <laughs> it's just so so upsetting in every way. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, we um, you were the only two blue. So the, the top eight, 33 players, top eight was two blue-white controls, two Mardo grease fang, an Esper grease fang, a red-white heroic, a blue-red phoenix, and a Golgari mid-range. And yeah, obviously, as you said, the two blue-white control players got paired in the quarterfinals, and the rest of us all just kind of went, "Oh god," because it was already like six thirty or something. Yeah, and
0: and I'm pretty sure by the time we finished, I looked over and you were like. A fair chunk of the way into your second match your your second your second round, <laughs> sorry in,
1: the, in yeah I finished eight. my semi final about like five minutes after your quarterfinal finished
0: yeah, that's funny,
1: or maybe a little bit more. I got to watch all of like the end of game two and all of game three of the other semifinal after losing a long like after losing a long semi final match as well
0: so so the top eight top eight was what there was two blue two, two blue eye controls, three grease Fang decks. Yes. And what else was there? Oh, there was Anth- oh no, Anthony was on uh, Grease Fang as well.
1: He was on Mardu Grease Fang as well. So there was a Red White Heroic, and is it Phoenix, and a Green Black Midrange. All of whom lost in the first round. Yeah. So the top four had three Grease Fang. Sounds like difficult
0: magic. So what's the, what's the best variant Grease Fang at the moment?
1: Well, I think it's Mardu. I was one of the Mardu players, uh, so... I mean, I think it's Mardu, but Esper got all the way to the final and then won the next day in the hands of Sam Loy. So maybe we're all wrong. But mm. um, I played Mardu Greyswing, which is the way I described it. Is it's like Rakdos mid range mashed up with Esper Greyswing. So it like is a sort of hybrid aggro combo deck where you have a bunch of aggressive three uh, aggressive three power two drops, but also Fable of the Mirror Breaker is one of the best cards of the format. And then you randomly like all of this sort of just incidentally gives you discard to be able to grease fan combo people.
0: And I think I saw you
1: having fiery temper in there,
0: right? Like you had some some madness outlets and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so the so the list I played is based on the list that Anthony Lee won with won an you with uh the week before in Sydney. And as you said, he happened to be in Melbourne this weekend and was there. Yeah, it's just your one didn't your cards were flat
0: is the only difference. His ones had like a, a distinct V shape to them. Not even
1: joking. They do, yes. Yeah. Um, so if, if you want more detail on that deck, actually, he and Mangucci and Javier Dominguez just put out a podcast. I just started their podcast and he goes into depth on how he arrived at the deck. So he will explain it much better than me. But basically you get to attack from a lot of different angles. And then the big difference between his list and my list is I'm playing Fiery Tempers because, again, there's a lot of discard outlets. So I have almost never hardcast fiery temper, so it's often just like a free lightning bolt that you like use to crack a blood token, or like you discard it to fable of the mirror breaker, and so it's like lightning bolt that also draws a card, which is really good.
0: Yeah, or or it makes your your three one in, indestructible or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, no, I was going to say the thing that impressed me about that list, particularly with the fiery tempers, is it, there's an element of. um I guess unpredictableness. Is that the word? Unpredictability? I don't know what the word is. <laughs> yep. For yeah, yeah. to to the to the deck where like you are just thinking about Grease Fang and then your opponent just kills you with their 3-1. You know, or or, or you're just thinking about the creatures on the board and then they just randomly f- you know, flop a pahilian into play. It's kind of it's got some it's got some angles.
1: Yeah, definitely. And one thing that's emblematic of that is a turn to Season Tallowblade, which is one of the aggressive three drops that's the one you talked about that it's a uh, two minus three one and you can discard a card to give it indestructible and tap it and so if you play it on turn two you are both playing an aggressive two drop that is resilient to removal and also you are threatening to turn three grace fang them because if your opponent taps out to progress their own game plan there's a chance that you just discard by and untap and go third lane grace fang
0: yeah it's certainly certainly awkward isn't it it just I I really enjoyed that element. It also it reminded me of um when the Swan was playing his um infamous red black discard deck. Did you ever see that thing? It was in I think it was in Modern. I don't think so. Like, this would have been back oh, before you yes. when back when you could just play two colors in Modern. Um and it ran oh what's that? Like there's a bunch of like uh oh, it's like a thing that makes vampires. Like like you paid uh, one yeah, yeah, the-
1: The enchantment, uh, call of the bloodline. I played this in standard. I did not play it in modern.
0: Yeah, so I think he had that. Maybe that might be wrong. I'm sure Michael will correct me later. But like he had these like these outlets that made creature tokens, and he would do all this random stuff. Like there was also this this one card that made thirteen zombies. And just, like, things that you would never expect to be in there. And he did surprisingly well. Like, just, you say the deck out loud, you're like, that can't possibly win games. And it it totally did. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so so the fiery tempers in this deck actually came about from a similar thing of, like, this probably won't be good. Um, Last Monday, or the Monday before now, now that I'm recording, I think it was Monday, it was either, might have been Sunday, I played a league with a different deck that I was actually testing. And then as I was like finishing the league, Kynan was on, I was chatting to Kynan. And as I was finishing the league, I was about to go do something else. Uh, Trent turned on, Trent turned up and Kynan and I were talking about Anthony's list. And I sort of looked at it and went, um, I kind of watch our fiery tempers. Like, I think they're probably bad, but like, I don't know, we'll try them. I'll play a league with it and see how we go. And I proceeded to five o the league while chatting to Trent and Kynan. I was like, wow, maybe there's actually something here. Yeah. <laughs> but it definitely started out as a like, this looks terrible. This is probably really bad. But then when I tried it, it was much better than expected.
0: Yeah, it, it looked great, and uh, yeah, right. So that that's what you were on, and and Nath, what what was yours? You were just on a straight up red black, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I was on straight up red black. I felt really smart because uh, I'd made a few changes to the deck um, that you know Misplaced Junge had been playing, uh, and then uh, I think on the Friday or the Thursday he released his latest list and we were, like, 74 out of the same 75. So I felt real big brain, and then I rocked up the tournament and just got smashed. So, you know, that happens.
0: Yeah, sometimes being big
1: brain doesn't help you draw lands, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, look, sometimes it's just not your day, and it <laughs> wasn't the cards. yeah. That, not to, to gush a little bit more about Mardu, one of the things I love about Mardu is the curve stops at three, basically. Um, there's, I have one genre, but it basically stops at three, apart from when you occasionally hardcast vehicles. But despite that, you don't really flood, because I have 24 lands, but you get to play, like, a couple spell lands, and then because the deck is so full of rummaging with blood and with, mm. like, Fable, you don't really flood. It takes a lot for you to flood because you get to just rummage away so many extra lands, so... It is like It feels like it is reducing variance a little bit, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, I've been getting into that um, just sort of like rummage effect in that I had previously never played with more than... Oh, actually, I, I don't think I even, even played with Sensor in Standard in mine, and I've recently been playing with lots of them, and just that ability to throw it away when you're stuck on two lands and find that third land, it's just invaluable.
1: Yeah, you get to just pass on turn two with two mana up, and if they play something, you can counter it, and if they don't, you get to like, try and dig to your third land or fourth land.
0: Yeah, and I feel like you know, while those two decks are doing different things, it has that sort of early game option to it. They both, they both have that thing going on where you can you know cycle cards, basically.
1: The other comparison I've just realized, this Mardo Greasefang deck is strategically quite similar to the like, green Breach deck that I play in Highlander as well where it's a lot of, like, aggressive creatures, but if you spend too much energy on the creatures, it has a combo backup plan. You just get punished big time, yeah. Yeah, just trying to pull people in different directions. In terms of the meta, there was so much Grease Fang at that store. It was insane. At round three, I looked down the top tables, and the top six tables all had exactly one Grease Fang deck on them. Yeah, wow. So, a lot of rats and pyelions around. Um, but beyond that, I didn't, again, didn't do a proper count, but I saw... a few a few mono-green players, a few other red-black players, a few blue-red players, and then a smattering of other things like Jesse Ascendancy, so pretty diverse still. Fair bit of spirits
0: too. Fair bit of heroic.
1: Yeah, at least two heroic players. Is that deck good? I think so. I think it's a meta deck, but I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's a meta deck. I think it's rough if there's going to be a bunch of red-black decks. Like, I know the um the red-white heroic player who made Top 8, he lost his... He went 4-2 in the Swiss and his two losses were to me and Anthony who were both playing Madu Gracefang so we're like a Madu combo deck with 12 to 15 removal spells. Yeah, gross. <laughs> and then he lost in the quarterfinals to Esper Gracefang which is an Esper deck with 10 removal spells in a combo. Disgusting. Virtuoso gives you a good slap. That's basically yep. the good summary.
0: Yeah. Yep. Do- Dogan, Dogan's eyes lit up when we were talking about it earlier.
1: Yeah, Dogen loves that deck. I'm. I think that is a perfect deck for Dogen as well.
0: <laughs> yeah that that guy that
1: connives that the double striker
0: <laughs> that gets out of control so quickly. Yeah, it's insane.
1: Yeah, that's like if they untap with it, you probably die in the next two turns.
0: Yeah, I'm, and it's like it puts you in such an awkward spot when they, when they, when they, when they give it trample with that ancestral anger card at sorcery mm. speed, on turn three, you're always. I mean, I don't know. Do good players just jam that connive card out on turn two? I don't know.
1: I think it's very matchup dependent, and also dependent on your read of your opponent's hand.
0: Yeah, um, it just seems like the sort of card you would want to protect, right? Like you want to, you want maybe maybe do it on turn three with with a God's willing up.
1: Yeah, I think that's generally true. But if you're playing against like mono green or mono blue who can't actually remove it once it resolves you just won't get it in play as quickly as possible generally. Yeah yeah, that makes sense as well. But obviously against like a red black or something yeah you want to try and pace it out and protect it. So it's a little bit earlier in the week so we don't have both challenge results but we do have the first one so the Saturday one. It's more of the same. Uh, red black mid range is back the listeners will have noticed that the last two podcast episodes were titled red black is everywhere and then red black is nowhere. Because those were what my were what my show notes said for the last two episodes. Um and red blacks somewhere this week. Yeah. <laughs> there were so the top thirty two had six red black and then four mono greens, four blue eye controls, three red black sacks, three mono whites, three absent grease fangs, and three Boros heroic as sort of the common decks. So that's actually quite a low decks to have like a ten percent or higher meta share. So it is sort of coalescing down and there are fewer like random one ops a little bit
0: yeah it's that sounds like a fairly he- healthy metagame to me to be honest i'm just I'm just he- hearing hearing a um a spread like that actually
1: gets me kind of excited for sure. yeah I mean, of those top seven decks that I just listed off, there's you know a control deck, a very mid-range deck, a ramp deck, a, c- a couple aggro decks, a combo deck, like a grindy synergy deck yeah there's, a, there's basically something for everyone, I think, very much so at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I, I personally am of the the school that a, a diverse meta game is a good meta game, whereas I know there are people that will adamantly deny that and say like, no, team energy triangles are the best in the world, you know. But um, it's I, I much prefer the diverse diverse formats like this. It's it's good fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I wonder again, listening to um, Manguchi and Lee and um. Javier and Dominguez's podcast, they were talking about how one of the differences compared to like back when we had Pro Tours is there aren't these like dedicated professional Mm. teams trying to break the format as much, so all of this development probably takes a little bit longer, but that's actually not a bad thing, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's great.
0: Yeah, and I suppose it can be more location-specific. You know, like if you rock up to Pog and you're not prepared to play against 15 Boros heroic decks you're gonna lose a lot you know yeah but whereas if you had the pro tour and everybody had more time to adapt maybe those boros players might play a good deck instead <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oof, <was> firing shots <laughs> look all i gotta say is settle the record just real good you know it is i also have to say i extinction evented my opponent on back-to-back turns my heroic opponent And that felt brutal.
0: Did you do a odd then even?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he had. So he had a one drop and two drop in play. So I hit even, and then he untapped, played the second one drop, and I untapped and hit odd. That's
0: so upsetting.
1: (laughs) It was brutal. (laughs) But yeah, set of the wreckage against heroic is uh, not very nice.
0: Yeah, to be honest, I'm not. I'm kind of. I'm enjoying playing this blue white deck, but I, I um, I've been playing a bit of Arena, like explorer. On Arena, and Mm -hmm. this season, I've not been doing very well with this Azorius list. Like, I kind of just seem to be getting, yeah, I think maybe I need to move off it. I don't know what the difference is in Explorer. I feel like most of the deck is identical.
1: Yeah, but it's all the other decks, right? Like, how much of the other decks are different?
0: I don't know. It seems like the format's fairly similar. It just means there's no, like, green kind of isn't good in Explorer, you know? That's the only major difference
1: yeah yeah i don't know i honestly haven't tracked it that closely mm. um to know but yeah it's interesting
0: yeah so i i um had a little play around a little while ago with a bant sort of kind of control deck which i was trying really i have this thing about not wanting to put nissa in my deck okay just cause I f- i feel like it's like the easiest option when you're playing green
1: like the nissa that like doubles mana from forest
0: yeah and I, I just have and it's like it's really hard to justify not putting it in your deck when you're also running Hydroid Crisis.
1: Yes. That is that was the core of a very good standard deck for quite a while.
0: Yeah, and um and particularly when the rest of the deck is running, you know, your shark typhoons and your other things that, that cost X or a lot of mana, you know. I even tried to sneak a sublime epiphany in, and maybe that's why I started losing. But you know, it's fun. <laughs> I just like playing greedy cards, you know. I just want to, I just want to want to pay lots of mana for cards. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, that's fair. We had this idea. We had this idea with the cube for a little while. I know this is taking it away from competitive Magic, but I feel like it's worth <laughs> it's worth discussing. I'm not sure, you guys, if you guys have talked about this on the podcast yet, but um, I had this idea for a cube that was like the most powerful version of every card. Regardless of how much it costs, like that's what gets included in the cube. So you don't get Lightning Bolt, you get like Urza's Rage. And (laughs) you you don't get, you don't get like, I don't know, uh, you don't get Opt, you get like Into the Story or something, or like Brain Geyser or something. You know what I mean? Like it's all just the most powerful cards. Yeah. Yeah, sick. You just sit there and do nothing for like six turns and then. (laughs)
1: Then you do something. Yeah, you do like all of the things. I reckon that'd be fun. Like I gotta say, you're welcome to discuss anything. If you keep it to magic, then that's like batting above average, frankly. <laughs> this is that's borderline magic. What we were just talking about, I guess. And they're magic cards. Yeah, it's still magic. It's cube. It's a weird cube format, but it's still magic.
0: Well, I just when we were in those lockdowns, I just got so into like me and Rob. I don't know, like so. So I I learned to code during lockdown, and part of that, one of my like projects I did was. I built a, like an automated cube generator mm. with with Rob and you could yeah. like select the sets you want to do it from and it would like pull data from Scryfall and like get the most popular cards and make sure they're included in the cube and all this sort of stuff. And That's sick. Yeah, and then we started mucking around and then it's like ever since lockdown, it's like, like when does automati- automatically like generating a cube ever become useful for you? Like never. <laughs> the only time it was useful was when I did it for science and me and Rob kind of got to... Like, actually, we we did a cube with this generator one. It was pretty fun. But when we were doing that, we were playing around. with like, what makes a cube good? And that's where this idea came from of, like, this only the most powerful things, you know? Yeah, that's sweet.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I've spent more time building cubes than playing cube, to be honest. Yeah. Because it's a real rabbit hole you can go down, and it doesn't really end. No, it doesn't end. And, you know, you
0: get, I mean... I, I, like I think we have like four or five cubes within the faction, but I, I do feel like most of the time we end up just playing Popox Vintage Cube because it's
1: probably just the best, right? Even yeah. that we haven't played that much to be honest. I don't. Yeah, it's certainly the most spectacular cube. Dan's um foiled out Vintage Cube.
0: Yeah, you like you draw a hand, and you're like, this is like a house deposit.
1: Yes, I'm holding. <laughs> I'm holding. Yes.
0: like a deposit for a house in my hand.
1: Yeah, basically, it's. It is crazy, um, but like I bought before, uh, like a month or two ago, I got the Robo Rosewater cube printed out. There's like an actual version that a Discord refined so that all the cards are like playable and some of the cards are very powerful, but they're all roughly in a, like the same band of power level. So it's actually like a playable cube and I have that printed out sitting in my room, like waiting for a chance to play it.
0: Yeah, amazing. More cubes. I got. A, I still have to do a housewarming cube. I've been planning to do that for a while. I've got this legacy cube that we haven't played in like maybe two years, maybe three years. It might have even been since like 2020 even.
1: Cube is one of the best ways to play Magic. Oh, it
0: absolutely is. Yeah, and that's just a good, good thing to do on a Saturday night, you know?
1: I think we talked about it as well, but at some point I kind of want to build a Dan Dan deck as well which is like the mono blue deck that like you draw from the same deck and you just have like a bunch of interaction and you have to try and kill each other with Dan Dance, which is a weird card, look it up. But um, <laughs> just, again, try and build more magic decks and formats than I have time to play.
0: I can't remember what, what event this was, but me and Nath and Michael were flying back from Sydney, maybe. I don't know, I can't remember what city it was, but we were flying from somewhere <laughs> and we were sitting on the floor of the airport all all drawing from nathan's um (laughs) highlander deck and it was so difficult because he's on well you're like kess pile or something at the time and he yeah and so you'd like you'd you'd, you'd like you'd brainstorm and rig the next two cards so your opponent so your opponent's drawers are shit and then and then they'd screw you by like thought scouring those crap cards away it was, it was, and then something—the third player, like Tassiga and Delve—all the cards that I just got put in the bin. It was so much fun, you know, because we had a shared graveyard as well.
1: Also, like, there's only one of each duel in the deck, so yep. all the fetches—you have to think really hard about which duel you want to fetch because once it's gone, it's gone, and no one else can have it either.
0: Yeah, you got to, like you got like three <laughs> fetch lands in play with no way to crack them. Right, that's good fun. Sick. We kept making the Woody the Woodpecker noise, and that lady kept staring at us. It was great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Yeah, really good. <laughs> it was real good. Uh, um, in terms of next week's events, there are a bunch of events on next week. So uh, Sunday has Maze, Maze of Fitzroy, which we talked about. And I think, I know I'm very pre-registered and Leo's very <laughs> pre-registered for. So that's probably going to sell out pretty quick because I believe it's capped as well, the same as Temple. And the Saturday, there are three events on. So there is um, a store in Ormond, which... I've never even heard of before. I've been there before.
0: Oh, I've, I've played there before. Wasn't that Jimbo's store?
1: No, Jimbo Judge, though. Oh, okay. Don't worry about me. Anyway, go on. Um, uh, Greensboro are running another Pioneer event, and Ringwood are running a modern event, all on Saturday. So lots of events to play at. I think we'll have another crew going to Greensboro, and then I'll be by myself at Ormond. Wait, is it on Saturday or Sunday? The Temple, temple Garden one, whatever it is. Temple Garden one. <laughs> Mason is on Sunday. The others are all on Saturday. Oh uh, yeah, I'll play on.
0: S- I want to play on Sunday. So if you want to, if you want to play and not get your turn ended in your upkeep, you should play on Saturday instead.
1: <laughs> uh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to dodge the uh, discontinuity Lotus Field deck, you know where to go or where not to go. Rather. Yep. You have got to make some choices. <laughs> All right, reckon. I reckon that's your cue to, to sing the outro music, Nath. <laughs> nope, okay. No, <laughs> guess not. Guess not. I don't know right. <laughs> Leo, do you want to sign us off then? Yeah. Oh, by uh, singing the outro music? What do I say? I'm pretty sure I'd just say bye, Kyle. That's it. That's it. All right, bye, Kyle. Bye, Kyle. <laughs> One of these days we're going to get Kyle back on, and that'll make slightly more sense, but...
0: Oh wait, hang on! Didn't didn't Anthony say that he played? An, I, I, I sorry, sorry to to go back on the ending. Anthony told me that he played against Kyle in Bunbury, and Kyle played a pre-con.
1: Yeah, had, had you not heard this? Yeah, so Kyle's Kyle's currently in Bunbury for work. He's, he has to be there for a few months, and the the RCQ's scene there is lacking because he's not even in Perth. He's in Bunbury, so he can't even like necessarily get to Perth all the time. And he played one RCQ, and he, I think he said there were six people there. They played it on a weeknight, and he was it was standard, so he doesn't own standard cards. So he bought a precon and spent like ten dollars on singles, and was like, "Yeah, I'll play this, and we'll see who turns up. Like maybe it'll just be a bunch of locals, and you know, Carl's pretty good at magic, so even with a deck with evolving Wild in, he was like, "Maybe I'll win." And then Anthony Lee, you know, multi-time <laughs> PT competitor, turned up and just like got paired against him in round one. <laughs> pretty funny. Oh, I mean, look. Kyle got game one, though. He got a game, game one, a
0: game? I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, he got game one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I, did, I do feel like that had to get mentioned. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Happy to get that shout out there to Kyle. Well done. You got one game. Nice work, Kyle. All right. Bye, Kyle.